Pimothy Bear, Pimothy Bear, Pimothy Bear. Hey you, it's me, Tim Clare, writer and host of Death of a Thousand Cuts. Sorry this podcast is going up slightly late. I've just got home from a run of shows at the Roundhouse in London. I know that sounds like a humble brag or a pass ag bigging myself up, but... um. I guess suppose it probably is probably both those things Uh, but thanks to everyone who came this week's episode is another two-hander with the erudite piercing and incisive Joe Dunthorne please excuse the wildly different mic levels it's my fault for being shouty in future two-person ones not during this run that I recorded in London that will be sorted out hearty thanks to joe for taking the time to be on the show i'd say read his work but you're probably reading it as we speak i'm probably eating into your joe dunthorne reading time he really is very good so let's do the show shall we then you can get back to it Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer, one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare and each episode we're going to be delving into a new writer's uh, extract and looking for ways to make it suck less. Um, Today I'm in the studio with Joe Dunthorne. How are you, Joe? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, Cool. Um, Shall we just get right down to it? Let's do it, yeah. So I'll read through. This is a piece by Anya and it's untitled. God damn it, Sarah, where are you? I yell at the top of my lungs, striding towards the empty trapeze. Sarah, why the hell isn't your ass practising right now, I say. This is ridiculous. Sarah, of all people, missing tonight, of all nights, I can't believe it. Something soft hits my foot and I stop. The gravel paths are supposed to be completely cleared for the opening night. I look down and see a bloodless, severed head. No, I don't. I see a headshot, Sarah's. It's black and white and the wind must have lifted it off my desk and out the window and on the ground and now I'm touching it and it feels like flesh and so I scream. I scream. Then I breathe. Then I scream again. Then I scramble backwards. I bump into another piece of flesh but this one's warm and chest-shaped. It says, Sorry boss, is everything okay? I heard you scream. It's Zachary, the fire juggler. I turn round to face him. I'm panting and I can't answer. I start patting my pockets for a cell phone. Of course, there are no pockets in this damn ringmaster get-up. Phone, I say, reaching out my hand to Zachary. I'm shaking. He fishes one out the pockets of his shorts. It comes away covered in ash. Some dissonant part of me is glad that he, at least, was practising. I dial the phone. An operator with a maddening smooth voice says, 911, what's your emergency? So, Joe, what do we think? Um... Yeah, this... Well, actually, I think somewhere deep beneath this is potentially an interesting story, but it feels, to me, lost under a lot of cartoonishness and melodrama and a lack of clarity. Which is a danger when you're writing about the circus, right? Like, that is... Yeah, basically, exactly. When you're writing about something that's inherently silly, then you've got to find these gritty, nuanced details that make you feel absolutely in the world and probably play against a lot of our cliche these like seem like the cliches and then you have to find the details that make you think oh god is that what it's really like to be in the circus that's you know whatever it be. some some like yeah it's funny you know, the, how i don't know well i i think that's absolutely so i read i can't remember who was did like a little analysis who it was i was reading who did a little analysis of the opening of um kafka's metamorphosis i was saying that the like big detail for them in the opening scene where gregor samsa wakes up and finds himself transformed into a monstrous insect and there's some description of his thorax mm. and things like that but the big detail is the description of there's a painting on the wall of a woman with like a um a fur stole with her hands in mm. and it just describes that it's got nothing to do with the story but they're like look that is this detail that is just just from nowhere and it's believable 
Mm. And if you believe in that, you have to accept the everything else. And it's, it, it's funny how like little mundane details can somehow uh, really, really anchor a story in a way that suddenly gives you permission to do all this other stuff. I mean, let's look at the first line. God damn it, Sarah, where are you? I yell at the top of my lungs, striding towards an empty trapeze. Like, for me, that dialogue tag is too much. Yep. I yell at the top of my lungs. I can see that, God damn it, Sarah, where are you? Could be muttered in that stagey kind of US crime drama way. God damn it, Sarah, where are you? Like, do you know what I mean? It, in that, but Which is always actually just a way of giving the audience some kind of part of the uh, characters in a monologue. So it's a convention of stage, right? It's not great for books. It's not great, no. Um, but aside from that, you know, a, a phrase with like, God damn it, Sarah, where are you? Is almost always going to be shouted. So the content tells us that. So... At the very most, I feel like you could have I yell. God damn it, Sarah, where are you? I yell. At the top of my lungs, that adverbial clause stinks to high heaven. It's a cliche and it's as redundant as a shortwave transceiver on a gherkin. Like, it's just silly, right? Like, I, I, who yells at the, you know, anyway except at the top of their lungs? I suppose you can, mod you can moderate a yell with an adverb, right? But it just... <laughs> It, the whole that whole first paragraph just feels you know Sarah is missing is basically what's going on here yeah. and that I don't see the benefit that would be such a I'm sorry that would be a fucking great opening line I right? just yeah I don't like, see that would just say Sarah is missing and I'm like and then you can start moving and I'm mo describing moving through the circus great I know but that's the thing it's like it, in theory the, the, the scene is so, is so rich you know Sarah is missing and then you've got this uh, um Ringmaster moving through the scene, and you know it could be so textured and interesting. Um, but it's that thing. You know, I, I just, there's a lot of sense that, a lot of a sense that things are being withheld in this, which which are being withheld for kind of mean reasons. Like we don't really need. I don't know. I don't know why we're not being told the basics straight off. I so just, did you feel with that? Did you feel confusion with the bloodless severed head being a headshot? Yeah, should we, should, we, should we go to that? In, yeah, okay, so something hits my foot and I stop. The gravel paths are supposed to be completely cleared for opening night. I look down and I, I you know, I actually am going to stop there and say I'm not sure at a circus you have gravel paths so much as like wood chip. Hmm. That seems like, gravel seems like a really... Permanent. If you lay that down in a field, that is, I, I don't know, maybe that's just something to check, but I, that, well, off to me. It's supposed to be completely cleared for opening night. I look down and see a bloodless severed head. No, I don't. I see a headshot. Sarah's, it's black and white. What's going on? <laughs> What's going on? Well, what is going on is I think is, is a valid move, which is that I think a quite a tricky move um, where you have like a double take and something morphs from what you think it is into something else. And I was just thinking that I just cut that move from my own book. It was really, I was really pleased with it. Maybe this author is pleased with this. I don't know. It was uh, the character saw what they thought was a bird-eating spider coming out of a bin, and it turned out it was a broken umbrella in the bin. Mm. <laughs> so obviously I'm, I'm really, really proud of myself. <laughs> and then, you know, six months later, it just seemed... I guess it just seems a bit of a lie. I mean, th this really, to me, seems like a lie. It would be just be so remarkable to see a, a, a kind of theatre headshot and think it was a severed a, head. A black and white headshot. I mean, you're... But it's drained of blood. 
yeah, but <laughs> come on. Like, you've got to have no depth. Unless this unless this narrator is a dog and sees everything in black and white I, I re- and has one eye, so they've got no depth perception. Yeah. I refuse to... I, I don't see how you could look down and see there's that whole... There's a, there's a, a nice... Um, there's an, I can't remember whether it's kind of like a, a, a Chinese saying about like once you've been bitten by a snake, you jump at a rope. This idea that you like, you, yeah. you perceive. And so I get that, right? But that doesn't, so if it had been like a, a, like a, a sort of a mold, a scrunched up bit of paper or something, I could get that, right? That you'd mistake it for a because that's a 3D thing. Mm. I'm sorry, but like a photo? And I, then I was like, have I misunderstood? Because then they're phoning an ambulance. So is it, well, that, oh, that's what I mean by the withheld information. Because when they phone the ambulance, like, okay, so there is actually a real emergency here. Yeah. But we've just been denied the information about it in favour of a, 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 some kind of elliptical um, suggestions. And that just felt needless. Yeah, and I, I've seen that move done really well as well. I think it's like, in, you know, in horror, I think the danger is like, do you just end up doing that cheesy, whatever the genre, you end up doing that cheesy horror movie cat scare where they're kind of like going into the room, the, you know, the, the curtains move, is it going to be the Candyman? No, it's just a cat. And after a couple of times, you just feel a little bit like it just starts. starts it's, it's like how many times can you do that before the whole thing starts to feel like a shaggy dog story? But the, the, there's always that thing of: is the thing you're going to reveal going to be great? Yeah, because 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 if it is, then okay, I can back your your you're denying me. But if you're if you're denying me the information because you're slightly worried about what your reveal is, because it maybe isn't that great then best to get it out immediately and do no delaying yeah and it's like um when they when you buy an, an ice cream in the theater uh, in the and it looks like it's a two inch deep ice cream and then you get it open and then you put your tiny little plastic spoon in and it goes down a centimeter and and, and what i'm always thinking is did they not think that we would find out that there's like a false floor <laughs> on the ice cream cup and it's amazing and you say well i got i found out and now i hate you because you lied to me <laughs> Um, so yeah, I just think in in this situation. I mean, this is based in a circus, so you've got to expect a certain amount of hucksterism, Joe. Right? Like maybe the whole maybe the whole novel is going to be structured like a carnival scam, uh, like a hook, a hook the duck style stall. Yeah, we're going to get in and it's cool. going to collapse and you know, like a, a, a Spanish prisoner style uh, <laughs> a con. No, yeah, I, I think you're right, and I think that's something. Re- I think that's something that. I've definitely done in books as well and then taken a bunch of them out because after a certain point you're not creating a kind of creepy atmosphere of, of jumps you're just um you just you're just sacrificing that all important cushion of good faith mm. and I think you can do it sometimes but you've got to pay off and like you say if the reveal is just rubbish mm. or just this doesn't even have to be rubbish if you not... think that withholding the reveal is going to be a more powerful force than the reveal then you probably shouldn't be doing it at all because, you know, you could have the great reveal and be like, oh, God, maybe I'll delay that. That's really good. But I don't think you can do it the other way around and be like, actually, it's not, I haven't got great You're throwing your story into quite a stark relief if you suggest a bunch of stuff the story could be about and then go back to another. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it's just just like uh, Captain Aporia comes swooping in and goes, maybe you decide what it meant. And it's just like, maybe just write a story that has... So, uh, what is going on here, though? Because I actually don't know. Right. You mean with, with, with the beyond, head? Beyond that, yeah. Okay, beyond that. Um, well, it's black and white, and the wind must have lifted it off my desk I'm and out the window. It and it feels like flesh, and so I scream. Well, that is really difficult to get your head around, because it couldn't 
conceivably feel like flesh unless there's something very very unusual about this person medical that we don't know about them um because zachary doesn't when the fire juggler i really like the line by the way the sentence it's zachary the fire juggler that is so simple that's an or did you know you're not on board no no but it's i think it's just too circus 101 for me because you've got some circus training right so is that what's <laughs> underneath this but that's true right is this i have, <laughs> I have got to my shame some circus no training. Not at uh, all. that's great right but um, is, that, is that why because to me a sort of um a civvy uh I, I i'm just like you know i'm just like a, a mark a yes schmuck. you are yeah you've got so, no so idea i'm like i'm like i'm on board with that well for instance when zachary i'm sure you would have even a civvy would have picked up that he probably wouldn't have ash in his pockets from from oh shit from, is that what's fu- supposed to be happening yeah he, he that's crazy he fishes I, one out I, the- I got that but i just didn't because there was so much confusion going on i just didn't pass the fact that is that because he's a fire juggler oh yeah oh my yeah no i'm not on board i'm not on board with that i mean I, you know i think it's i unless we are in unless anya's writing in hi anya by the way um unless Hello. writing in this kind of heightened reality uh a la the night circus kind of thing where these characters are supposed to be kind of larger than life and that's what you know where fire jugglers do have pockets full of ash and in which case i don't feel like i got enough hints of this being a slightly magical realism world do you know what I yeah mean? i think in that world which is obviously well-loved literary tradition it's about rich language and it's about amazing details and as long as you're carried along in this kind of well circus of joyful details they don't have to be uh, strictly accurate, but I don't think we're getting. No, we're getting I, I, I didn't get that. And and, and and so I want to say. Um, anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Where you were going to explain your theory about if if you have one of what's going on here? Well, I think it, no. No, I, I think we kind of touched on it earlier on that the only way this could be real, it feels like flesh. The photo feels like flesh, and I scream, and so I scream. Would just take so much character because Zachary doesn't react. Yeah. So the assumption is that this is a, in which case, you know. So maybe this is a ringmaster having a breakdown. Um, we know it's a ringmaster because we have the sentence, of course, there are no pockets in this damn ringmaster getup, which um, is, I mean, it's not direct exposition. They, it's kind of, but it felt, how do we feel about that? Gonna, well, my main problem is that I think ringmaster getup is absolutely with pockets. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I've drawn a little picture of what I think the pocket of a, on a ringmaster's yeah. suit looks like. I, I'm seeing a, a single button uh, square <laughs> pocket there, very lovingly uh, diagrammed by Joe. Um, yeah, I'd imagine, yeah, like little brass. Little brass, little red. you know, like up on his pigeony chest. Yeah. You know, probably, I mean, maybe it wouldn't contain a phone. Maybe the phone couldn't. Maybe the pocket couldn't close with yeah. a phone in I it. I mean, of course, it's not, of course, there are no pockets in this damn ringmaster game. It's like, of course, I don't carry my mobile phone around. It spoils around the silhouette. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It ruins the cut of my shirt. Of course, I don't, I would have no need to answer texts while performing as a ringmaster of a that's, circus. That, that's a cooler detail, though, isn't it? That basically, he's sufficiently powerful that he just says phone to people and and, and they hand him his had in mm. their phone to use. Yeah, I, I mean, I love power dynamics like that. I love, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, although kind of sorry boss um, is, uh, mm. I don't even, I suppose he's saying sorry because they bump into each other. Yeah, I just felt like I had trouble parsing this um, yep. as, as a reader. Um, uh, yeah, I dial the phone 
is not a good sentence as well. I turn around to face him is also not a good sentence. I'm going to disagree with you there, Joe. I think there's something occasionally we... What, what, how would you have... You don't need it. Of course they're facing each other. All oh, right, fair enough. Okay, well, that's good. I mean, I don't think it's a bad sentence on, on their own, but also I've now realised that those are exactly the sentences that I cut out on a second draft where I'm doing yes. lots of blocking. It would be like fair to turned. say it's not a bad sentence. I think mm. the reader is just uh, savvy enough to presume a little shifty as people move around and so, face each other. If we're just going to give some advice to Anya on, apart from what, how are we thinking this needs to be sort of approached? Um, um, what do I think? I think there just needs to be a te- uh, attention to the reality of the story. It feels like from the gravel paths to the pockets to the ash, there's just too many ways in which I don't feel this world is well put together or well researched. So I think it's probably a fairly easy job to try and get go to see a circus and, that, or, and, that, or, and try and see if you can kind of like what i mean yeah and see if you can maybe see if there's ways you can like hang out yeah there's probably or, blogs with circus yeah. people writing about real circus life and things just and that's you, all the good you that's where you get like the good stuff right is when you do that kind of like research especially if you can go somewhere and do the research it's so great yeah exactly and so i think there just needs to be a bit of balance between those, those sorts of details and the action and yeah just being a bit tougher on yourself about the, the, the like for instance the bloodless severed head you know that just seems it's a melodramatic moment and i can see why you'd reach for it and i have yeah. done similar things myself but i think you need to accept that it's you've gone for too much too soon and maybe just finding a photo on the floor is plenty yeah, if it feels like it's um, over-egging the pudding with going, hey, it's a more exciting, you know, like I think like a photo on the ground of a person we don't know yet and picking that up and being shocked by it is, I, you know, I, I, of course we don't know where this is going with this scene. So, um, Anya, thanks very much for sending it in and obviously, you know, uh, inflect this by whatever your plans are for the scene and what genre you're going for, all those kind of things. But I, I do agree with you that at the moment it feels like it's it's reaching for something more dramatic than it's actually and it, and it kind of undersells what's actually there right yeah. it's got a bit of first page syndrome isn't it it's mm. like hits the hit the ground running smash you with loads of really like screamy uh moments when in fact there is a story here and there's a great setting mm. and you can just slow play us into it and be straight and give us the details and we'll be interested couldn't have put it better myself so i won't um thank you uh, very much for sending that in anya if you're listening and you'd like to send your work in or you know someone that you think might too you can go onto my website www.timclairepoet.co.uk and um there's a contact me link on the right side of it or you can just go into the show notes and click the link to find out our submission guidelines uh thank you very much for listening uh and in the meantime before next episode because i'm assuming you come back unless we've completely alienated you at this point um just keep writing and good luck right Joe, that's it thank you very much pleasure, oh, pleasure. that was really good fun that was great